Welcome to Injury Prevention Podcasts. My name is Rod McClure. I'm editor of the BMJ journal Injury Prevention, and each month I chat with a distinguished researcher or practitioner, and together we explore the narrative of their injury prevention careers. My guest today is Dr. Ian Pike, Professor, Department of Paediatrics at the University of British Columbia. Ian's had about 30 years of experience in injury prevention and a healthy lifestyle promotion and has worked in private, not-for-profit and academic sectors. Hello, Ian. Hello, Rod. Tell me, when you have to um, put your job occupation down on, on one of the many forms you have to fill in, knowing that you travel a lot, uh, Ian, what do you call yourself? Um, well, I call myself a prof in the Department of Pediatrics uh, at UBC and the director of the BC Injury Research and Prevention Unit, which is a core research unit within the uh, BC Children's Hospital Research Institute. Okay. So what about at parties when somebody comes up to you and says, what do you do? Oh, what do I do? Um, I try to prevent uh, the social and economic burden of injury in, in British Columbia, Canada, and as far as I can reach. What I try to do is to change people's attitudes and beliefs because one of our major initiatives is has been the development of a social marketing campaign um, within British Columbia, um, which has been in place for about the last 10 years now, where we're speaking with British Columbians about their attitudes, beliefs, their behaviors, their perceptions of risk relative to injury, um, all of which we use to try and formulate a conversation and a social marketing campaign with them. And so that's sort of where I usually focus because I find that um, a very important piece of work that I'm doing and one that I'm having a lot of fun doing as well. And what's interesting for me is the extent to which uh, that is quite a different area of expertise than uh, the set of expertise that people usually feel is important when they're sitting down to do injury prevention. Do you call yourself an injury prevention practitioner at Intage, or did you ever think of yourself as that? Um, I do think of myself as an injury prevention practitioner slash professional, yes. Mm -hmm. um, I'm very concerned that we do try and intervene on the huge burden and costs related to injury. And when I say costs, I don't mean those just financial. I'm more troubled by the, uh, the impact that injury has on people's lives, on their families' lives, and on, and on society in general. I mean, these are um, costs that can be avoided. Um, and, and I think that I see the potential um, particularly with our campaign and having a conversation um, about how those costs can be avoided and how people can still lead full, active and exhilarating lives and still prevent injuries from occurring um, as they do so. I know you've had a personal area of influence around the idea of putting injury in the context of social engagement and, and recognizing that you need to understand the community as much as the individual event and how they interact to each other. How did you come to this particular um, area of interest in injury? 
Um, I think it's been quite an interesting journey. I mean, if you'll indulge me a second, um, mm. I grew up with a mother who wanted to be a nurse from the time that she could think about doing anything in her life. Um, and she followed through on that aspiration and became a nurse. Um, she also volunteered outside of her professional role uh, with the St. John Ambulance Brigade and became a serving sister of that organization. Um, obviously, growing up in that household as a child, I had a duty to become trained in first aid and to think about not only treating injury, but preventing injury, seeing where risks um, were in place and how to avoid those risks, and more importantly, how to avoid people getting hurt. Um, I always did first aid. I always did uh, CPR, as far as I can recall. Um, those translated a little later into becoming a lifeguard and um, aquatics instructor, so I had to intervene when things got out of hand or people got beyond their own capabilities and I was able to offer some assistance to, to get them up off the bottom or out of the water. Um, when I went to undergraduate school, um, I, I had success as sport, in sport. So I, I entered into the kinesis and exercise physiology program out of personal interest. That led me to um, have an interest in athletic therapy and sport injury prevention. Um, and all of that sort of was never focused on the, on the specifics of injury prevention, but was always how can we live full, active and exhilarating lives without being hurt so that we can continue to live those lives. And I pursued... Um, a PhD in how healthy workplaces can be achieved. Um, at the time that I was uh, ready to do a PhD, I was employed at the University of Regina um, as an instructor there. And um, one of the interest areas that we, or a service area that the university had there was to uh, provide members of the community with an individualized um, health and fitness prescription. And we got lots of requests from organizations to help them develop workplace uh, health and fitness programs for their employees. Um, and this became a particular interest in how do you, how do you get organizations to see the business case of investing in their employees' health? Um, and part of that work was to avoid those employees being injured on the job or being hurt during the pursuit of physical activity, you know, in the pursuit of health, not to get hurt. Um, and all of that then sort of <clears throat> led to work within the private sector um, initially after finishing a PhD, uh, but in the health industry in British Columbia. Um, and my bent then was to sort of treat that entire experience as an applied research project and see if we couldn't make a difference in the healthcare industry in British Columbia through um, intervening with employee health and fitness 
programming and interventions at hospitals. And of course, one of the biggest issues when we went to talk with hospitals about how could we do this, um, we determined that there was a lot of personal injury occurring amongst nursing staff, particularly, um, in, in, and resulting from lifts and transfers of patients. And so that became a key component of anything that we did in the workplace um, relative to health and fitness. And one thing led to another, um, including my recognition that the private sector was not where I wanted to continue the rest of my career. And so I made some career changes and ended up um, very fortunately uh, being recruited to the position at the BC Injury Research and Prevention Unit about oh, coming up 20 years ago now. Wow. Um, the, uh, the focus that you had in some of that on practical solutions for people who, who think in terms of uh, challenges and needing to find responses to those challenges. So private industry who've got a, who need a product perhaps and occupational health who have a, something that they can identify as a challenge that you can overcome. When you moved back into your current role and mm -hmm. uh, recognising you're now working in the public sector with uh, influence rather than control over this, your, your risk factors, um, how does how does that background history that you've had help you understand how to support policy and uh, implementation of policy in the public sector? Well, I think almost every day, Rod, I am amazed at how the number of experiences I've had over the course of my career um, help with what I do today. I mean, it's often said that private businesses exist to make a profit for the owner or the shareholders. And, and I think in large measure, that's true. There's very strong focus on what returns on any investment will be and what the margins will be on anything that is uh, purchased or invested in. And so understanding that allows a conversation that I might have now with a potential client or partner um, in those terms. So I can speak that language as it were. Um, similarly, after leaving that sector and before I went to the back into academics at the BC Injury Research and Prevention Unit, I spent time, uh, six years, with the Canadian Red Cross in the charitable sector and um, led the operations in British Columbia there. And that was also a very interesting perspective on the provision of programs and services uh, as a charity and how, how charities are able to appeal to um, donors and philanthropists to support their efforts um, and, and learning that a good proposal, um, not only a research proposal, but a proposal also needs to convey a good story and I guess appeal to people's humanity and heart. And I think there are so many times that I look back on my experiences um, in private, public, and charitable sectors that assist me greatly 
in the conversations with potential partners and as I potential end users of the knowledge that we're trying to generate at the unit uh, with respect to injury prevention. You started off talking a little bit about your current work in social marketing. Um, mm -hmm. If marketing is um, sometimes incorrectly understood by academics as uh, coming up with a good idea and trying to encourage other people to take it on, um, you seem to be working with the end users or the stakeholders and trying to identify challenges they have and mm -hmm. having your academic role as one where you come up with solutions that they're actually looking for rather than trying to get them to con to be convinced that you were actually got the idea they should be adopting. Is that a fair assessment of, of your, and, and I know it's, it's a slightly simplified one, but of mm -hmm. your modus operandi in, in focusing on social marketing as the tool for intervention rather than perhaps some primary science? I, I think that's exactly right, Rod. Um, I can't conceive of convincing somebody to do something unless I've try to understand their motivations, their interest in it, and why they would or wouldn't do it. So for us, the importance in developing our social marketing campaign is that anything we produce, visually, uh, print, th the key messages, all of those have, have resulted from conversations with the end user. And I think that um, to your point about academics often believe that marketing is us coming up with a good idea and selling it. I would sort of rebut that a little bit and say even in the private sector, um, products are made in consultation with the potential market that's going to buy them. I mean, Nike doesn't just come up with a good-looking, well-functioning running shoe. Um, and hope that people will buy it. It builds a running shoe that it's, co it's consulted on in turn, right down to the very finest things like what color should the stitching be on this colored leather. I mean, it's tested and tested and tested to the point that the final product can't really fail to be consumed because they've built what people said they would buy. And when I translate that into our marketing messages, we hope that we're having good resonance because we have developed each and every piece of it in consultation with our target population. Um, I mean, they truly are integrated into the knowledge development process. They truly are integrated into the knowledge translation process and they're most helpful, of course, in their honesty and in our efforts to evaluate that translation through social marketing. So I think most successful efforts in injury prevention and in, in most behavior, health behavior change things are, are because people have had a long and respectful conversation with the people they're trying to affect and they have taken to heart and truly understood what it is that the people have said they wanted or needed or would respond to. That's a really insightful um, 
analysis, I think. Tell me, just to finish, do you have PhD students? Do you have students going through your unit? Are you able to I take do. some of these ideas and, and support a future generation of injury prevention practitioners? We do. Um, there are three academics um, in the unit, uh, myself, uh, Dr. Shalina Barbol and Dr. Mariana Brussoni, all of whom can supervise graduate students. And we have quite a number of graduate students at the PhD, at the postdoc, at the master's level um, from areas within population public health, experimental medicine, health services admin. And we also um, provide training opportunities for medical students um, who want to focus some of their training on injury prevention. And we have a very innovative program that the Faculty of Medicine has developed at UBC, which is a flex program and it allows great flexibility as the name implies to medical students to pursue something of their that's very personally meaningful to them, um, providing an opportunity to medical students to help us understand the needs of the medical profession. Thank you for your time, Ian, today. Oh, thank you, Rod. It's been a pleasure and always is chatting with you. We've been listening to a conversation with Dr. Ian Pike from the Department of Pediatrics at University of British Columbia and the British Columbia Injury Research and Prevention Unit. For anyone wishing to learn more about some of the topics we've covered this morning, I would encourage you to visit the journal's website at injuryprevention.bmj.com. Remember, you can subscribe to Injury Prevention Podcasts in your favourite platform or app and have it automatically downloaded to your device each month.